tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Dawn's Near Miss, Drunk Driver Update, $11 million Heist, Migrant Twin, and Yeshiva Murder. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I am your other co-host, Robert. And this is Reenacted. Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yes, it is. Uh, Robbie, I am, I, we're doing a Saturday night record, so I have made a cocktail of some unusual things. Is this featured in your book? It's not. No, I, I forgot. We never uh, really, I didn't really promote the uh, Star Trek themed cocktail book on any of our social media. Oh, maybe I should do that after this episode gets dropped because I completed that back in December and and then I just kind of never mentioned it again. <laughs> um, so no, this is not included in in that book. Uh, this is uh, I've been experimenting. I just received some Italian uh, amari, which are uh, aperitivos, which are like uh, low alcohol spirits that you drink before or after a meal they're usually watered down with something else mm-hmm. um you know uh i won't go into too much detail about that but there is one called uh, uh chin chinchina okay and i have mixed that with a bit of vodka pineapple juice and angostura bitters and uh, i gotta admit it is pretty smooth and hit me kind of hard so what does it mean when a drink is smooth? That means okay. So do you re- do you remember <laughs> when I made made you drink a seven and seven once when we were in Virginia City? Uh, do that? And you made a face and you were like, "Oh God," because it tasted like fire. Yes, do you remember that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, it's the it's when it doesn't do that. It's when it's like, "Oh, this tastes really nice," and I don't notice that there's alcohol in it, and <laughs> now I'm drunk. I that's what means smooth i see okay thank thank Mm. you for the clarification (laughs) certainly (laughs) um Mm. so uh, but uh we were talking before we started recording and you very thoughtfully sent me a care package uh if you are a patreon um for our podcast you know that robbie will oftentimes drop something very uh, heartfelt and thoughtful in the mail to you. And as Robbie's good friend, sometimes I get things too. And this is no exception. You sent me a very cute mug, mm-hmm. which is replacing a mug that you gave me years ago that coincidentally broke, but mere days ago. So you didn't even know that. And you, so you're replacing the mug, but it's got, it's got um, a famous person holding a puppy on it. Um, I won't go into more detail than that, but uh, mm-hmm. suffice to say is very much appreciated. And then um, some cool uh, current event-related stickers. Yes. Um, and then I got a very cute mask that uh, has um, a peach on it for the <laughs> state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. So um, it, I'm being very unspecific, but I know that a lot of thought and care was given in sending these things to me. So thank you, Robbie. I will cherish them. You're, you're welcome. I'm I'm. I'm co- and, the months and years to come or however long that mask and mug lasts right the the mask probably has a bit of a (laughs) 
a time com- component to how much use it will get, but yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> I hope so. Um, so <laughs> sorry, did that laugh sound sweaty and desperate? It's just that I've been in my house for a year. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, um, are we allowed to talk about your current? You were able to get something through your work. Are we going to talk about that? Or are we being hush hush about? I, that? I don't think it's so. a, a, a state secret or anything. Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I just got the second of two uh, COVID vaccine shots. Woohoo! So yes, congratulations. I, yeah, I, I, I fully intend to just go out and do my everyday stuff now with um with mm-hmm. relatively little fear uh that's great yeah in fact uh are they still is the carson stadium stadium cinema still open I, are might, you asking me well I, <laughs> I i guess i was really asking myself i might go to the mm. movies at, at some point in the um uh now that i i have a bit of uh because i have that uh, i i got i got it so relatively early because mm-hmm. my job can't be remote worked um mm-hmm. due to, uh, and, and you work for the government yeah for the state yeah yeah so um yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. Well, I think you should go see a movie. Just, you know, remember you still got to wear a mask and stuff, but um I'm I hope that is a fun and anxiety-free experience for you. Yeah, I mean, I I have gone to the theaters during the pandemic cuz like <gasps> Yeah. Well, there the thing is is there if you go to the Carson Stadium Cinema uh during mm-hmm. the weekday uh, even before yeah. even 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 before the pandemic uh mm-hmm. uh if you're going during the weekday you're guaranteed to be in a theater all by yourself so it's <laughs> a good point yeah <laughs> that's that's actually so how halloween i went i i did a a halloween double feature where i went to see Coraline mm-hmm. cuz i hadn't seen that okay. film before and then i saw the 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 latest halloween movie uh, both both films completely alone in the theater, just how I like it. Uh, that sounds great. Yeah, uh, and it looks like they're they're great. currently playing Tenet at that at that thing. So mm. I might check check that out. Um, um, I think if I ever watch Tenet, and I'll, I'll probably watch it on my phone as um, Christopher Nolan intended for everyone <laughs> to see it. <laughs> Is on their three-inch screen on their phone. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, it's, uh, fair enough, fair enough. Yes, I well, I I hope to be joining society once again um, at some point, but it, uh, I don't have high hopes about that because I live in California and I am not considered essential. I can do my job, and you know, which is to say, uh, you're essential please, for me. You- I can't do this podcast alone. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of you to say well i would just say if you if you get a chance to get the jab in your arm please do so we can all just get get on with our fucking lives um hey robbie do you want to uh talk about uh what do we do here unsolved mysteries season yes. four episode 25 
the last episode of season four. That's absolutely right. I can't believe we've been going on this long. All right. Uh, So our first segment in this episode, um, I was watching, uh, well, even before watching the segment, I had this sort of distinct feeling of deja vu when they started talking about it. I was like, that sounds familiar. Uh, a couple of different people gunned down in similar ways in Arizona, and it's uh, this journalist mm-hmm. believes it's connected to something he's working on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where have I... Uh, am I just imagining this? And no. We, I had that same reaction. Right. The exact same reaction at the beginning of the segment. I'm like, oh my god. I, don't, I didn't think it was me imagining it. I just thought maybe we were having... We've run out of content at the end of season four, so we're just repeating segments. Yes. But that's not quite what it is. So my yeah, my speculation, because I don't know, I I didn't go back and watch when we watched saw this story earlier, but my speculation is that what 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 happened? Uh with uh, the Don Devereaux segment, because he's the journalist who, what was it? He stumbled on, he was investigating something, because like the first guy who was killed was involved with some sort of a money thing. And, yeah. Yeah. One of those. Yeah. Deals. Um, and I think what, what may have occurred here in the show um is and it may not even necessarily be completely a Amazon thing at play here, but mm. I think when we saw the segment the first time, we were mm. seeing more to what was going on with the segment than when it first aired. That like, oh, like how we get we updates were added back. Yeah, to previous segments like that. Right. Like I I see. Okay. I'm kind of wondering maybe, and this is just my speculation, when this segment aired, we got originally we just got the one murder. And it was the guy who, you know, was working in what in the banker or the guy and he was telling his family that like he was actually a secret treasury agent and he, he came home one night and wrote wrote a note like you know, don't tell anyone, honey, about what's happening. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, he had he had like hallucinogenic drugs in the back of his throat, throat or something. Yeah, and it was very strange. Yes, uh, I think that uh, I think his name. So his name was Charles Morgan, and my speculation. That sounds right. Yeah, my spe- <laughs> <laughs> my speculation is. This segment originally was about the the you know what happened to Charles Morgan, and Don Devereaux was just a like a journalist who was working on the case. Mm-hmm. And so it, the first time you saw this segment, uh, which was uh, whenever in the airtime that we we first came across it, whether it was in season three or earlier. That's all you you got. And Mm -hmm. then what happened is that uh, we get the second murder 
which was the, the situation where this guy named Doug Johnston, who unfortunately for him lived right next across the street from Don Devereaux and drove mm-hmm. pretty much the exact same type of car. Um, it was gunned down or, or, or murdered or whatever. Uh, um, that he, uh, you know, and, and he was he was offed because they these people were going after Don Devereaux for something Don Devereaux was investigating involving Charles Morgan. That this was a subsequent murder that happened after the first unsolved mystery segment aired, and so then what we've seen is basically two unsolved mystery segments welded together. And the, the one just shown, you know, in season three, and now we're watching it again in season four. Uh, that's so if you want to, uh, to know more, uh, know what we think about this segment, go back and mm-hmm. listen to our earlier episodes. <laughs> <laughs> you'll find this, you'll find us talking about this segment eventually, or I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Maybe I could look it up and. Uh, 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 yeah, the problem is is there isn't a wiki of our unsolved mysteries podcast. There's only the wiki of <laughs> um, unsolved mysteries. The show. I mean, I guess I could. So. I, I could just go 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 back and try to like. On uh, you, you write a little description of the stuff on SoundCloud. I could probably find it. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I mean, I put I don't put a lot of effort into that, uh, so I'm not I'm not sure. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I guess you I guess you could. I I mean, it's weird because this guy Don Devereaux doesn't really seem to have like a book to sell or something. Um, I, this is listed. <laughs> this is listed as a the investigators. Right um, segment, and a lot of times these investigators have s- something they're pitching, whether it's a, you know, train. I don't know. So he doesn't have a book to sell, but he, the segment ends in a really strange way with Robert Stack saying, you know, less you think John Devereaux is a conspiracy theorist when he's talking about gold price manipulation in the. <laughs> you know the mafia and cia interrogations like he has the tapes to prove it and then we go to commercial and i'm like okay can we hear some of that like because where we're ending this is kind of like it's basically like it's basically like robert stack looked in the camera and said do your research <laughs> you know yes i uh I think, you know, and that may be another product of this weird, like, it's melding two segments together, you know, um, perhaps, yeah. perhaps that's a holdover from the first uh, segment they, they aired or, or what, but yeah, I mean, this, this probably like the first time that aired, it was probably uh, unexplained uh, death uh, thing because uh, it was this Charles Morgan case, but then of course, now that Don Devereaux uh, was was being targeted, I, I would say uh, uh, changing it to uh, the investigators was was probably appropriate because it's it's this weird meta sort of situation going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do you think if uh, if we just had Connor just like drop our, <laughs> our previous. <laughs> 
our um, entire previous yeah, segment. I can... I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Listen, I don't pay him enough to go back through our back catalog and find that segment. <laughs> touche. And touché. I'm certainly not going to spend any time on it. So good luck, everybody else. Yeah. Okay. Well, th- I can, yeah. Connor's I, Connor's listening to this right now. He's just shaking his head. Hell no. That's fine. You don't need to do that. Hell no. To the no, no, no. Hell to the no, no. Yeah, moving on. The very next thing that follows is, um, it's it's listed as an update, so it's not as egregious as just seeing the an entire full segment again. But I kind of feel like this update on the, um, it's about the that couple that were killed in a head-on collision. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this update basically showed everything that happened. Uh, this was the. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the segment, this was the the uh, this guy named James White's driving a truck, and I, I can't remember he was drunk or asleep or something, and he ended up uh, uh, swerving and and, and smashing into uh, this 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 vi- what looks like a very nice elderly couple's car. Uh, yeah, ends up killing them, and it, I I remember this this segment because this was the one where in the reenactment they had the uh the famous escape from the hospital in the wheelchair <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah that's right when... yeah he's, he is eluded custody yeah eluded eluded did i did i e-l-u-d-e-d did i use that word correctly i feel like this is a it's e-l-l-u-d-e but is the, that does that word mean what I how I used it? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, alluded. In, in in terms of the 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 context of what you're talking about, it fits perfectly. Yes, he 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 fled the hospital before any charges could be brought up with them. Um, mm-hmm. But then uh, some, so he, I guess he was in a bar in Burlington, Vermont. And they played this segment, and someone in the bar <laughs> recognized him and called in. Uh, Do you think it was a situation where, like, like the the record needle scratched off the record, and like everyone in the bar, you know, the bartender stops polishing the bar, and everyone stops playing pool, and they all just start looking at this guy as he tries to like moonwalk backwards <laughs> out of the bar? Do you think that's what happened? Um, you know that that basically has to be the the worst case scenario uh like for a people are watching unsolved mysteries and it's about you for any of these guys right is like it's an mm-hmm. entire it's an entire business of people who all see it and mm-hmm. the, the their their gaze just drifts to you i i don't i i, I mean it was either that or someone, I, you know, he pro- maybe he wasn't even paying attention to the TV. He was in a sort of mm-hmm. a corner booth or something talking with someone and someone at the bar was just sort of like looking up at the, it's one of those situations where maybe the TV is, is on mute or something, but they're showing, you know, pictures right. and this guy at the bar is looking up. It's like, Hey, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Burlington, Vermont is, no, no. I was gonna say, like, isn't that near where Walter White was was held up? But I think he was in New Hampshire. Um, 
I, you know, I don't remember Breaking Bad that well, but I think you might be right. Yeah. I was also going to say, here's the thing. Um, in the late 80s, early 1990s, everybody watched Unsolved Mysteries, and it came on on Wednesday night at the same time every week. Do you think that just maybe, I mean, I don't know if this guy got caught while he was in the bar or just someone recognized him as a regular. Yeah. But I would just think, you know, if you know that you fucked up (laughs) and you're wanted for this, that and the other thing, maybe you just don't go to the bar on Unsolved Mysteries night. Just in case you you just lay low at your house. You make that. You make a good point. Uh, You you would think that if Unsolved Mysteries and then, you know, later America's Most Wanted is a concern Maybe you you do indeed stay in stay home those nights though. Didn't we have right. didn't we have a segment where uh, someone who was on the the run for like murder or whatever, like an episode of Unsolved Mysteries featuring him was playing on the television and like his wife came mm-hmm. his wife came home and and he was panic like panic panickingly uh, uh, getting ready to to, to leave. And, and, yeah. and, and, it, and he, th- he told her to go in the, <laughs> the kitchen and make some sandwiches. Make some sandwiches. Yeah. Well, like just, uh, if, you know, not just, I mean, I, maybe there, a component of it was he, he was anticipating having to eat on the road, but it was mostly just to keep her from watching the television. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, I, re- I guess I remember that it was a guy who had killed his wife and then he was shacked up with this other gal. Yeah. After that. I wonder if, like, the, the other gal that he was shacked up with, maybe it was that she was, like, an Unsolved Mysteries fan. And mm-hmm. and he was like, damn it, when she gets home, she's going to want to watch She's going to go right through this. Oh, no, she's pulling in the driveway. Um, I know. She. I need her to make me some... I'll tell her to make me some sandwiches. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, we've... Um, we're, we're we're this deep into this episode, and we haven't like actually delved into any segments just because we've been getting repeats. But it's it's been fun speculating on some of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want to talk about an actual unsolved mystery segment now, or? Uh, no. Let's just wrap it up. Okay. <laughs> let's just call this the end of the episode. Now let's uh let's let's do it. Let's yeah. talk about it. All right. Um. So. We're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get in the uh, podcast um, armored truck here. It's, we're gonna load up and we're gonna go to Rochester, New York. And th- this this is That's, like what mm-hmm. this that the next segment was an armored car segment when like uh, I mean I didn't think it was gonna you know be a repeat of the one we'd just seen in the previous episode, but like right. I, I I was beginning to wonder after these first two things. Because we've seen several armored car segments, I was like, "What is this?" I I, I was I mm-hmm. was thinking this was going to be the Minnesota armored car robbery again or, or whatever. I was like, mm-hmm. "Is this just entirely a clip show? What's going on here?" But, yeah, but no, this is a yeah. It's this is the real deal. Yeah, this is the real deal. Um, yeah, and the last episode we covered was the Vallejo had the Vallejo armored car heist Mm -hmm. so this this one ends a little differently yeah so we're we're getting the story from uh the point of view of quote unquote mary wilson which is not her real name and in fact when they interview her 
Uh, understandably, she is in shadow. Mm-hmm. So we don't we don't actually know this woman. But um, so in the morning of uh, some time in June, who cares? Uh, Armored Motor <laughs> Ser- Services of America. So this is not. I think it was what was the last company? It was like was it Brinks? It wasn't Brinks, was it? I think it was Loomis. Loomis, yeah, it's one yeah, of these. Yeah. So this is some smaller regional one, anyway. So as Robert Snack lets us know that these, the, you know, the, uh, the armored cars will make stops which are not authorized but happen anyway um, <laughs> for you know personal reasons. So <laughs> oh, <God>. on <laughs> this particular morning, um. A stop was made by the operators of an armored car that was carrying $11 million in cash. And they stopped by a, you know, convenience store uh, to get some donuts and whatnot, some treats. And so, quote, unquote, Mary Wilson, she goes inside, right? Well, while that's happening, the this car pulls up. It's, uh, you know, some ni- awful boxy 1980s <laughs> sedan pulls up and uh, uh, Mary Wilson's uh, co-worker, Albert Rainier, which I thought might have been related to the next same guy, Keith Rainieri, but that's Keith Rainier. No, and... They're the the same... What? Is this the same last name? (laughs) (laughs) Is this like the next same guy's uncle or something? I don't know. It's in upstate New York, too. This is... Um, this is getting all very confusing. Yeah, well, I, um, and and not to um, not to not to take away from this weird coincidental name uh, situation going uh-huh. on, but I just want to um, at least in the reenactment, they uh, there, there's a slight difference from how you describe. They actually portray the armored car point into a parking spot next to the ugly van. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't remember that correctly. Right. Well, the thing. So the, the, the car was waiting for them. Well, I mean, and that that was the thing, and you know, and I I won't mention the 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 big reveal at the end, but I, that that was something that was like I started thinking about during the segment. Um, it's like when they pull when the when they made their stop to get their snacks. It's like, mm-hmm. this is straight. I, I kind of felt like, wow, how convenient for the robbers that they pulled in right next to them. Because mm. if they had just pulled in separate, you know, like an entirely empty string of things, the robbers would then have to start moving their vehicle and pull up, which would maybe alert someone that, like, wait, why is this vehicle right. now changing part? But uh, that's all I'll say, well, say about that for the moment. <laughs> I I have to assume um, whoever planned this robbery uh, had been t- sort of keeping tabs on this particular shift, this particular armored car for a while, because uh, Mary sort of cops to the fact that a couple of times a week they would stop at the same convenience store. Right, so. right, yeah, it's uh, which <laughs> seems like a bad thing to be doing if you're driving a vehicle full of money. Like, you... you, you right. If, well, if, I mean, you know... Yeah, first of all, you're not even supposed to really be making these stops. So if you're going to be making right. them, you may want to mix them up at different locations. Um, well, Robbie, which brings... And I was watching this segment, and I got to tell you something, some, like some real life shit that happened this week. Okay. Okay. Can I like share some like real crime? Holy crap. Okay. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to like, we're going to hit pause on this segment because it's related, but it's also, 
hopefully a safety tip for anybody listening. So um, a couple of days ago, I think it, I think it was Wednesday, maybe Thursday, I went out in the afternoon to walk my dog really quickly. And there was a woman who was uh, yelling help uh, walking up the street towards and she walked right up to me. And she wasn't wearing shoes and she was really distraught. You know, <clears throat> unfortunately, I I was sort of like, oh, no, like we have a um, you know, a we have a mental health crisis going on right now. Okay. Right. And for whatever reason, it's happening on my little residential street. But I live in L.A. and this stuff is not unheard of. And. You know, my general reaction is to just not make eye contact and keep walking. Yeah. <laughs> but she walked right up to me and um, it kind of caught me off guard. And, and she was just I, I she had a really thick accent and I had trouble understanding her. But basically, I got it out of her that somebody had just snatched her purse and drove away. Oh. And I was like, I was very suspicious because I was still like, OK, sure. Yeah. Um, But anyway, I was not helpful. I mean, I didn't also didn't have my cell phone on me at the time. Oh, well, so. Yeah. What are you going to do in that case? <laughs> yeah, I didn't have my cell phone on me, but I said, do you need to call the police? And she says, yes, I was just robbed. And I was like, OK, so maybe, you know, also COVID is going on. And like, <laughs> I, I'm just not I'm not making excuses for myself. My reaction sucked. And I should have helped this woman because it turns out she was my neighbor. And the story she was telling was 100 percent true. And she was not having a mental health crisis. She, in fact, had just been robbed. And the reason she wasn't wearing any shoes is because she had kicked them off to go chase after the car <laughs> that had just stolen her purse from her. So we got to So I don't know, about 30 minutes later, pretty quickly afterwards, we hear this like bang, bang, bang on our front door. And I'm like, okay, what is this? And it was the LAPD. Oh, and man. because because the because the robbery had literally happened right in front of our house on our little residential street, okay? Yeah. Right in front of our house. They saw we had a ring doorbell and they were like, you know, did you get anything? And so, um, you know, my, my boyfriend, David, like went back through the footage and he ended up going out and talking to a detective and, you know, we had caught partially the car that had driven off of this woman's stuff, but which is to say we got a little more information about what had actually happened. And, um, this woman who is, uh, she rents a room in the neighborhood in the house across the street from ours. And unfortunately I didn't recognize her as such mm -hmm. again, my bad. Um, she had, uh, gone to the bank, um, and, was approached by a woman ask, asking if she could do her nails. And so our neighbor refused and said, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing that. Um, and then uh, apparently she was followed home. So she'd been planning to go to the store. I guess she came home to use the restroom quickly. Uh, okay. And she noticed that one of her car tires was kind of flat. I think her, like the monitor in her car went off saying she needed air in her tire. And, she got out to look at it, and while she did, this man approached her very quickly, said, hey, grabbed her attention, grabbed her purse, and ran back to the car and drove off with it. Which is to say, okay, like, she was followed from the bank to, you know, to, our yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. And was robbed in broad daylight. I mean, there were people out on the street walking their dogs. I, w I walked into the aftermath of the robbery. There were just... In broad daylight in front of people, mm -hmm. she was robbed. So what I'm saying is, people, please, 
check over your shoulder. Well, you know, the thing is, is like, <laughs> based off what what you described, what happened, uh, to me, that only justifies your reaction when the woman first came up to you. Because I thought you were about to describe some sort of scary situation where someone was going to try to, like, get you to g- come with them or something. And uh-huh. um, so. Uh, well, I I did. I was very paranoid. Right. As well, to what was going on? Because I didn't recognize her as the woman who lived across the street. And, and the, I, and, I really the thing, didn't recognize her. And the thing is, is like, what could you, you know, do? I mean, you didn't have a phone on you. Uh, I didn't. What are you going to no. be, be like? I could have well, gone back in my house and gotten my phone and called nine one one for her. Well, you're going to have. And so I was like, maybe try one of the neighbors. And then I just kept walking my dog. So, (laughs) (laughs) so what you're saying is there's going to be some odd, odd, uh, some awkward looks uh, uh, next time you come across. Well, you know, I'm forever going to be the woman that she ran up to for help and did not help her. So, I mean, (laughs) I I owe her an. I'm sure she feels terrified and violated, and I definitely owe her an apology, and she will be receiving one. Um, either in person or uh, via a card, because so, I can only imagine how scary that was for her. And then I'm just like, I don't have. Well, a, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm walking my dog such right a now. About it. I mean, what, well, what do you want? Yeah, me, do you no, want me I'm to pet asshole. my dog? On well, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Put your dog on the trail, like Beto. <laughs> fine fine <laughs> track this guy down woof, woof. and yeah uh, i well I, I like i like legitimately like didn't know what was going on and i didn't have my phone on me otherwise i would have pulled it i would have pulled it out right then and called 911 yeah. for her but like yeah um i uh well, i would have had to have gone back in my house and i'm like what is she gonna follow me and like does she have covid and like i didn't realize it was my neighbor i, I like worse yeah um yeah no it's that's all interesting so is she uh does she work at a nail salon or something or like no i think i think someone was just they just needed an excuse to go up and talk to her approach her yeah yeah okay yeah and then when they followed her um she happened to have come home and they just saw her get out of the car and took their chance because they knew she'd just been at the bank so yeah yeah okay well uh that's that's quite a story Um, yeah so what i'm what i'm saying is as it relates to the segment that we're talking about if you have a routine or someone comes up and talks to you and it's weird please please check over your shoulder um you know the next time you get out of your car yeah you know take take stock of your surroundings i'm not saying what happened to this one was her fault who who on earth could have expected that right it's t- a total violation but um just just keep your wits about you people is what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> if i've learned anything this week it's just holy shit people can be brazen which brings us back to the segment um the reenactment we get we get two guys that aren't wearing masks but then one of them is wearing like a halloween mask (laughs) right right so i I didn't really understand why two of them weren't disguising themselves but one of them was (laughs) i i mean i guess i guess masks were optional and the guy Mm -hmm. well my my only conjecture would be because the guy with the mask is the one who gets into the van and is like holding holding them oh right uh, is gonna hold up. Um, uh, what's what's her code name? Uh, Mary. 
Mary. It's going to yeah. hold up Mary and, and uh, during the, the drive out to their location. Albert gets Albert Rainieri, who may, may not be related to Keith Rainieri, is <laughs> is bound and gagged. And uh, Ma- uh, Mary is immediately, when she comes back to the car, she's immediately ha- handcuffed with some plastic zip ties. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess the robber uh, is driving the van. And then they're followed by another van who's, who's, wait, yeah. They're followed by another van who is driven by one of the gunmen. So the mask wearing guy is like the driver, I guess. And uh, they go out to somewhere in the woods. And so they toss uh, Albert in the back with Mary. Yeah. And then they, uh, they unload all the cash. Now, <clears throat> these guys actually get away with it. Um, because they didn't think that they could just hand carry $11 million. <laughs> I think it's important to re- recognize that they knew the weight of money, <laughs> cash money <laughs> before. They, they, they were cognizant of that. Robbery. It's, it's not like when you're, yeah. when you're a college student and you're like, Oh, I'll just put my books in this box and I'll just carry out the car. You're like, Oh God, it feels like I'm carrying gold. Um, yeah, my, uh, paper, like, money, m- a lot of money uh, adds up as as the as the uh, would-be robbers in our in the armored car segment in our previous episode <laughs> found out. <laughs> yeah, so so ma- there's Mary, you know, she's hogtied, at least according to the reenactment, in the mm-hmm. back of a... Uh, back of the truck and and she says you know i wasn't about to wait for them to come back and kill me i'm getting out of this situation somehow she's able to free herself taking charge uh, yeah it's, which honestly is pretty badass yeah like like you watch this, she doesn't you watch this say she doesn't know where she is no and she's hogtied okay yeah and you watch this segment and you're thinking to yourself, man, this this other guy is so worthless. I mean, you know, she gets yeah. out of her her bindings and like she can't really get get his loose, so she, you know, she yeah, you know, gets into the front and whatnot. But you're like, you know, this guy got uh, caught just sitting uh, sitting around and what is going on here? Well, um, she figures it out and drives the. She somehow gets the truck back to uh, to HQ, and she reports the robbery. Um, the robbers didn't take everything though. Um, they abandoned their blue van about five miles away from wherever hmm. uh, they made the transfer, and there was thirteen thousand dollars that were left behind in small bills. So, well, so uh, the rest of it. Yes. Well, in in the reenactment, they show like that money scattered all over the place, like mm-hmm. like as if mm-hmm. what they were going through the the stacks of money, and then anytime they found a small bill, they toss it out or something. Is that what they're? Because I would have thought that those those small bills would just be <coughs> like in a separate, like mm-hmm. all all in like their own container or something. Uh, but I guess if if you've planned this robbery as meticulously as they they have. If there was a situation like that where you, where you just didn't want any small bills, apparently you could take the time to s- sort through them. <laughs> weird. Um, yeah, it it's weird, and I don't know why. 
you sh- you know, if movies are any indication, because everybody that robs a bank wants the small unmarked bills, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's what seems to be what they've left behind here. I mean, so. I mean that you, you're not going to be buying exclusively. Um, uh, what do they call the projection TVs? The, the the big screens back before they had flat mm-hmm. screens, and then all that other stereos and whatnot. You're gonna want to you know stop and get some donuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not go back to the original convenience store? Yeah, <laughs> Just yeah. Get some, why not? Go back to where you started. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of evidence. I don't remember if this is actually covered in the segment or not, but there's a lot of evidence to point to it was probably an inside job. Because uh, there was only a because- small number of people who knew that that particular run was going to have that large of a payday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing is that the broken porthole in one of the truck's doors allowed one of the gunmen's to hold the driver at gunpoint. So that was probably broken out beforehand. Yeah. I, Someone else had a key to open the truck's side door. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's uh, um, strange. It's almost as if someone on the inside was indeed uh, gave them information. Yeah, I don't think we we don't get a update, do we? What? what? No, that's that's the whole thing. That I thought you were building up to this because yeah, we have a we have a situation where no one would have known about this 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 huge cash amount. Uh, there's that broken mm-hmm. porthole, uh, which they didn't explain when they f- when at the beginning of the segment, only at the end. So mm-hmm. I was like, wait, yeah. I, I don't understand. There's like a little hole that that you can open up and you can stick a gun in stick a and hold the trucks. Yeah, kind of, I, that's what I thought. <laughs> I was like, what, that's what I thought. What is what is the function of that? I guess I mean I was like trying to think like I, th- I assumed it was for shooting out. Yeah, yeah, that that, that was the best I could come <laughs> up with. Um, which I mean, okay, I, I I guess I could kind of get that, but I I I I, I would think that you'd mostly just be interested interested in preventing people from shooting in but anyway and then um what i the thing was is earlier i talked about uh when the armored car pulled up to um pulled up to uh the convenience store it parked right next to the vehicle the robbers were in right Mm -hmm. well it turns out that Mary's partner was part of the the operation. Yeah, but was that in the Unsolved Mysteries episode? They, they, they gave it a text. Uh, uh, out, uh, oh, I must have like uh, sneezed and closed my eyes and missed it. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Well, it was it was it was one of those text updates. Uh, ah, yeah. Just like uh, he's serving thirty years or whatever. The other suspects are still at large. Oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm reading the wiki now, and it turns out the thirty years has nothing to do with the with the robbery. What? Um, no. Well, I'll read you the whole thing. Okay. Uh, uh, for years, Albert Ranieri and his father were considered prime suspects in the robbery. However, in 1995, the statute of limitations ran out in that case. In December 2002, he confessed to the robbery. And the unrelated 2000 murder of Anthony Vaccaro, he, uh, Ranieri received a 30 year sentence for the murder and other charges. And that's why he's in jail for 30 years. Mm. It's not for the robbery. 
Mm. Um, Ranieri has never named the accomplices. Good on him for not being a snitch, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> only only $87,000 of the $11 million has ever been recovered. He claimed he spent more than half a million dollars on drugs and investments. Well, if you think about it, drugs could like be an investment. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it could be a end or sort of situation. Um, I want to spend a half a million dollars on drugs. <laughs> God, that'd be a lot of dr- drugs, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be a lot of some drugs, but not as many as you would think of other drugs. I guess, I guess, yeah. I, mean, I don't know what the, the... I don't know that much about drugs. Neither <laughs> <laughs> do I. Jeez. Um, God. We need to be better about at drugs. <laughs> We're not. I, I guess. Uh, please don't send us in drugs, but... Uh... <laughs> no, please do that, but also don't tell the FBI <laughs> that I solicited that. <laughs> Don't if when please don't send them across states. Uh, that's definitely an FBI. That, yeah, that's <laughs> so just yeah, keep it. Yeah. keep it in your territory. No, um, well, I mean that, that that brings up a question. Like, if you're in California, can you mail yeah. marijuana to someone in California? Is that fine? I because it's you know I don't know. Okay, I know I can have weed delivered to me. Yeah. Well, I guess like in by like a like a del- courier, like a delivery person yeah. from a dispensary, but I don't think I don't think someone like from northern California could like uh, mail me weed. No, yeah, you know, there's probably there's pr- probably some prohibition in the with the USPS for that preventing that from being done. So Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure it's frowned upon by FedEx and UPS as well. <laughs> 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 Hence, why you have your, why, why there's such a thing as weed Uber, uh, <laughs> as it were. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, don't send don't send me weed. I can buy that. Send me something else, please. Yeah. Uh, should we move on from me very quickly uh, talking about a federal case here? <laughs> Connor, edit this last minute out. Dear God. Neither snow. Neither snow. Nor rain. Nor rain. Nor heat. Nor heat. Nor gloom of night. Nor gloom of night. Stays these couriers. Stays these couriers. From the swift completion. From the swift completion. Their appointed rounds. Of their appointed rounds. Um, <laughs> if you if you're with the the Federal Bureau of Investigation and you listen to this program, please. Uh, well, I mean, if you please leave us five stars on iTunes. <laughs> give us five stars on iTunes first of all. Uh, follow us on uh, we have uh, on Twitter at Reenacted Pod. Uh, if you like the show, uh, send us an email at reenactedpod at gmail.com. There's a Facebook um, uh, fans page. Uh, you know, is this is this the announcement for feds only? Are we gonna have to do this again at the end of the show for everyone? No, the, I mean this this applies to everyone. But if you're if you're not a member of the FBI, I mean, you do all that stuff. But also, uh, well, I would assume that if you're a member of the FBI and you're just you listen to the show on a regular basis because you enjoy the pod, you they probably already get our sense of humor. So they're they're not gonna. <laughs> it's funny because you think I'm joking and I'm not. So. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so bored in my house. Um, 
but we should probably we should link probably move on to something else <laughs> Our next segment is a lost love segment, the the ultimate refuge for people who are too much of a cowards for for the ghost segments. Uh, it we get some stock footage of the dust bowl. So right away, I was be- of course, yeah. <laughs> so many of our lost love segments. Uh, I mean, which makes sense considering when the show aired uh, are rooted in the Great Depression. Um, yeah, it follow uh, we it follows uh, the Martha and Robert Brown. Uh, it goes by Bobby. They are two kids who their Dust Bowl parents already had four children and just couldn't afford mm-hmm. them. So this is this is one of those uh, rare cases where the parents voluntarily gave up the the children <laughs> instead of yeah. Well, interest, interestingly, we get this whole like depression lead up, but this wasn't this didn't occur during the depression. In fact, it occurred in 1951. Uh, so they had been in California for, as a t- for a time being migrant farm workers. Oh, yeah, yeah. They yeah, so this this actually it's like it's the their conditions were determined by the Great Depression, but they were well out of that. Right, right. Um, by the time the story occurs, it's it's, it's kind of like how you know the Great Recession kind of just wiped me out for an entire decade. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. One. Uh. So. Yeah. So. Uh. Uh. Martha and Bobby are put up for. Uh. Are not for. Were they adopted? Or I think they I think they were put in reed baskets and sent down the Nile. <laughs> yeah, uh, they found their way into this household where the the old the the, the old lady who's who's relating their uh, what she did when she uh, when they arrived at the house described. Yeah, Alice Breitler. Al- Her name's Alice Breitler. Uh, okay, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to be like I, I wasn't trying to like discount her as a human being. I just. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I just mansplain Alice? No, Breitler? no, no, no. You didn't. But I just, I just want. To, I'm clarifying for the audience because I, I just occurred uh-huh. to me. I'd just been calling her old lady, and uh, it's just like that's just that's just because how that's how I saw her uh, as. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, you know, she describes basically uh, like they they arrive at her house, and she makes it sound as if she had to spend half a day just scrubbing layer after layer of dirt off of them. Um, the girl, the girl, like the boy went over to what, what a tractor, a train, uh, some, a, a, some sort of car. Yeah. yeah it's just on, on, a, on, his, a toy. On, a, on his, yeah, bed. And the girl went over to a, uh, a doll and she hugs the doll really like intensely. And Alice is like, oh, you know, like, like, I guess maybe just interpreting that like, wow, they really appreciated of appreciative of their gifts. Uh, mm-hmm. As it turns out, I guess these kids never had toys. <laughs> so I guess. I No. Yeah. This was a, a, a huge luxury for them. Um, and so, you know, they they have, a, I guess, a pretty okay existence in this household at the very least they're apparently getting fed uh uh, mm-hmm. uh, 
they have a sort of reenactment where uh, the kids are at a table and it's 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 almost like there's a uh, they're treating it like like Alice's household like wow this is a bottomless all you can eat restaurant <laughs> yeah <laughs> which I mean I guess if if you came from a pretty hard scrabble existence like having a, a, a having a household that isn't food suffering from like food scarcity probably does feel mm-hmm. like that. And, uh, in addition, to, I guess, in addition to, to having loading up in the meals, they would sneak into the kitchen at night and grab extra food to eat just in case. Um, uh, I, I guess, you know, from their perspective, you're like, gosh, we got to take, you know, who knows how long we're going to be here. There's plenty yeah. of food. We you know we gotta load up while we can. Robbie, can I can I ask you a personal question while we're talking about this? Sure. Do you feel like you're like food possessive? Like if you get French fries and somebody just like takes a fry oh. off your, do you get like weird about? Do you get weird about it or are you just whatever? I I think it it depends on the context of the situation. Um, it's funny. Um, my friend Mel, uh, there was actually something similar going on here um, to what you described last week or the week before. Uh, mm-hmm. I had picked up Taco Bell uh, uh-huh. on on the request of Mel to br- bring some Taco Bell for her son, um, uh-huh. who uh, uh, they're they're going up to a, a practice play practice or whatever. So, um, and their son didn't, you know, he, he really didn't like whatever it was that was served for dinner. So she was like, just, just grab him some, t- a couple of tacos or something. And mm-hmm. I got the, when I was at Taco Bell, I got the, uh, there was a nachos fries box that I, uh-huh. I ordered and she came in she's like, Oh wow. The, the nacho fries. I've heard about these. And she came in and she took one and ate it. I feel like in most situations, if that happened, I would be probably pretty irate. Mm. Uh, it's a little bit different because she's one of my closest friends, and you know, I, I, they have me over for dinner so much. It's kind of. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels right. like like with like, like like with her, it's a the the food situation's a lot more fluid, you know. Right. Uh, uh, it's like okay, she's going to be taking one, or as it turned out, like three, <laughs> three nacho fries for my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you know, she she uh, she she's going to be in in a couple of weeks. She's going to be making me like a birthday dinner, I'm sure. So yeah. it, it evens out. So you you would say in general you're like kind of food possessive. Yeah, I, I I would consider it in bad form to like just come up and take something that I'm eating off my plate like French fries. Uh, yeah, yeah. Unless it uh, unless you have ordered a separate plate of French fries that is for the table, do not take it off my plate. Do you, right. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I'm realizing about myself, I'm very food possessive Mm. and, um, however, I will eat all of your French fries (laughs) off your plate. 
And it is something I've realized about myself. Uh, uh, I think with you, I would probably ask first. Well, it, it's say, funny you say that because with because with you, I probably wouldn't mind if you just started doing it. So, but I, I would ask you. Yes, I would ask. Yeah, you. Well, yeah, but if it's like an intimate partner like David, like I, I'm just gonna eat off his plate. But when he does it to me, I want to put a fork in his hand. <laughs> I turn into a snarling animal. <laughs> wow. Uh, no, I, it's something. It's not great. I don't. It's. It's not even a. It's not even a scarcity thing like it is in the situation with Martha and Bobby. Like obviously, you know, they were f- hoarding food because they have been malnourished. That certainly was not the case when I was growing up. But I think a lot of it is. Um, like an only child kind of thing. Yeah. Which is not having to, I also, listen, I'll give you the shirt off my back if you need it, but at least give me the opportunity to offer. Don't just take. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of my deal. But like with food, like I will, I will go into a rage. If somebody just starts taking food off my plate. I'm going to have to store this away for future reference. This is good to know. <laughs> well, I mean, it is. That's why I asked you because I was like, hmm, I, I probably with you, I would ask. Yeah. May I try something from your plate? And if you said no, I would respect that. But um, well, and admittedly, like yeah. most of the times we've ate food together, it's been in the context of, of like we're in the same kitchen. You, you've like food has just been a bunch of food has just been made, and it's kind of like yeah, it's, there's a casualness to. Uh, that's all very interesting. Now I know how to avoid causing a faux pas the next time I'm down there. Or if I want to, like, uh, if I'm kind of bored and I want to see what happens. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, like the Kill Bill music will start going off in my head. My eye will start twitching. <laughs> that's, 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 such, that's good to know. Good to know. Um, but also be aware that I'm a total hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, as, as we all are. So, uh, um, do you want to keep talking about the sad ass segment or what? Well, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's a lost love segment. I mean, you've seen one, you've seen a billion yeah. of them. There's, there's, there's a couple of interesting moments. There's a reenactment of, um, out, cause Bobby, I guess he had suffered some abuse. So he was kind of. He had some issues and there's a reenactment of, I guess, like he was holding his, even though he loved his sister a lot, there's like, he'd do things like he was holding her head underneath the water in this like a little set up tub, uh, uh, set up ba- yeah. uh, pole in the backyard. Yeah. And what I noticed watching the segment and I, I, I figured it, I figured out the reason. Cause I was like, cause they, they describe it, but you don't see it happening. And then, cause like, you know, she describes like, oh, he had her head under the water and I had to go rush out there and da, 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 da. Yeah. But, but when you see her run out there, it's just the two kids are just in the well, pole. And probably the- they're not going to ha- they're not going <laughs> to they're not going to have two child actors. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's what I figured out. I was like, yeah, I guess I guess you wouldn't really want to put like the 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 one child actor's life in the hands of another like six year old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's limit, there's limits to the unsolved mysteries. <laughs> um, but yeah, so unfortunately Bobby Brown, 
Uh, he ends up kind of being put away with a different family or whatever, just because Alice is like, mm-hmm. I can't really, I'm not really up to this. Uh, to, to Yeah, well... I think Alice, I think, carries, she admits she carries a lot of guilt about it in this segment. But yeah. I think Alice is someone who has a very soft and gentle nature. And I and she contacted child services who, you know, said, you probably aren't the best person to deal with these behavioral issues. So they basically took him back. Yeah. You get a little reenactment of, like, this couple's loading up all of his stuff. And he goes and he gives... Uh, he gives his sister Martha his Halloween costume or, or whatever. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, and she found that, like, I mean, for her, it was it was clear that, like, it was, you know, this was something that meant a lot to her that he could actually, like, just give her. So, um, and then, you know, years go by and her and uh, Alice end up moving to Ashland, Oregon. Have you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, okay, you're familiar, <laughs> yes. I've I've been to I have been to Ashland, Oregon. For the if you know what I'm saying, if you know what I mean. The the Shakespeare. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, Sha- yeah, it was for the Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> but also, but also notably, yeah. if you. If you are doing the uh, the San Francisco Bay Area to Seattle run, Ashland, Oregon is a good pit stop on the Interstate 5. Oh, Just FYI, yeah. everyone. Very, very nice little town. And it, if you know what I'm saying. Are you talking I mean, the F- about... The FBI knows what I mean. Okay, okay, all right. Um, I, I, I follow you, I follow you. Uh, well, and then for me, what, what really is notable about it is it's what 10 15 minutes south of medford oregon um i was i was relieved (laughs) i was so relieved Uh that this segment did not like like segue into (laughs) something where you know uh alice is like and so after a few years in living in ashland i Started investing in this company that promised a twenty five percent return, and now yeah, all, I'm so, all I'm month- so glad I Alice didn't get caught up in the Medford hustle. <laughs> oh God, I, I'm yeah. There's no Medford hustle situation on here. Like all we got, all we got is compensation for these baseball cards. <laughs> um, but uh, while they're Living there, uh, Martha. She she somehow tracked down the information on where Bobby. Uh, some information on Bobby. She tried sending him mail, but it came back returned to sender. Uh, years later, she she tracked down an address of his in Los Angeles. Um, uh, didn't realize in, in, until I guess she got there that it was a homeless shelter. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Google Maps kind of wasn't a thing. Yeah. Then, um, so. Yeah, this was yeah, this was definitely pre Google Maps. Um, you know, it's uh, you know the thing is is for me the weird thing about this segment, um, and just to, to skip real quickly, the the text update says that like I guess she got contacted by her older siblings from her birth parents, but uh, they the text update didn't have any information on whether she ever found Bobby. But mm-hmm. for me, sort of the interesting thing about 
this segment because uh, his name's Bobby Brown, right? Well, correct. Uh, just um, just a few days ago, I was listening to the Viewmasters podcast. Uh, I know I've uh-huh. name dropped them a few times before. They were doing a episode on the Karate Kid, and fantastic. Yeah, and one of the one of the bully characters in that film is named Bobby Brown, and they had like mm-hmm. a whole minute like bit where they were talking about the various Bobby Browns and how they would rank them. Because there's also mm-hmm. uh, Bobby Brown, the of, of you know the the musician. Uh, yeah, of new edition, Mary was married to Whitney, Whitney Houston. Houston. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a the makeup artist. The makeup artist, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're good at this game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know this segment is sad, and um, we're we're running short on time. Yeah, yeah. You, you, one more you, we gotta you, get to. Let's let's do the last segment. Right now, we're going to talk about God's chosen people, Orthodox Jews. Let's go. All right. Uh, Haim Weiss. Haim is spelled C-H-A-I-M. Please do not tweet at me that I didn't say that correctly. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but that's how they said it in Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, Haim, Haim Weiss was, uh, unfortunately, he was at a uh, yeshiva, which is a... Um, I, it sounds kind of like a uh, boarding school, so, but they teach you it's for religious and ethical principles, mm-hmm. basically. That is accurate. And and he was uh, in the dorm, uh, and he was uh, found dead. And he was found dead on the Sabbath, which cr- created a whole host of issues for the investigation at hand. Um, Detective Don Daly was uh, assigned to this case because, you know, Don Daly is really going to, you know, how to know how to get in with <laughs> the, <laughs> the orthodox uh, he's the nat- uh, yeshiva. He's the natural selection for for this case, absolutely. It, this this freaking detective was the most Irish guy I've ever seen in my life. He was almost like a cartoon character. <laughs> yeah, he, he fit like a glove in in a uh, like a hand in a glove. Yeah, exactly. So Don Daly's like, uh, you know, why can't you guys uh, turn the lights on so we can look around? <laughs> They're like, well, sir, we cannot do that at this time. Huh. Um. So, uh, uh the really strange thing is, Heim was, you know, for for all intents and purposes, really popular kid, got on well, easygoing. So, long and short of it is, they don't have a motive even that they can point to about why Haim was yeah. uh, murdered. What they have is some unusual things like uh, he was murdered uh, on the evening of October 31st, Halloween, which was a Friday, which was the Sabbath. Um, when he was found the next morning, his window was open, but mm-hmm. it was very strange. He wouldn't have left it open. It was a very chilly night. Uh, the last he was uh, last time was seen was he was reading, uh, doing some homework out in the hallway of the dormitory. Uh, his his mates saw him at about one a.m. before he went to bed. Um, some other things that we see is that uh, Heim was uh, moved twice after he was killed. So we're not really sure what the significance of that is. Mm-hmm. And there's also a lot of mystery surrounding some candles. Yes. 
uh, <laughs> as in, um, uh, oh, okay. Well, you know, the wiki is actually revealing some stuff that the segment didn't, which makes sense. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause I, all, uh, yeah, all the segment said was basically they, they figured because of some evidence that they found that it had to be somebody who was familiar with the, um, rites of rituals of uh, orthodox judaism mm-hmm. uh what the wiki is illuminating here is the reason that the window would have been opened is that uh traditions require that a door or window be open in the room of a deceased person in order to let the spirit out so it's ah. likely that whoever did this um opened the window after heim was killed um that's so a strangely then- courteous thing to do to your murder victim (laughs) oh and also says in the wiki the reason that the body was moved twice is that in orthodox orthodox customs it was necessary for the body to be taken off the bed and onto the floor so that it's at its lowest and coolest point they do mention that in the segment i believe okay um but anyway uh so you know don daly's learning all of this as he goes about um he's like wow this is really interesting huh yeah and uh there's there was also a lot of a lot of hesitancy from heim's classmates to even say anything because um i guess again there's sort of a tradition of not speaking of something until you have evidence for it so no one really wanted to come forward and speculate anything yeah about what may have happened to heim um then there's the thing with the candles. So the uh, the the guy, the provost of the yeshiva. I know that's not the right word, and I'm sorry. He suggests uh, he would like to go into the room and light a candle for Heim. Um, and then, like later after the room is sealed, um, they go in and find another candle has been lit in there. Now, before you continue, I just want to talk about this candle situation real quickly. Because mm-hmm. uh, these candles were in gla- glass jars, right? If I recall correctly. Right. The thing that stuck out to me is, you know, the, the first the candle, the first candle that the guy put in, you know, it was, it was about so of so height. And then the mysterious second candle that got added in was mm-hmm. two and a half to three three times the, the, the height of the mm-hmm. first one. And it's mm-hmm. not just like, it's not a mm-hmm. situation. I mean, if they were just bare candles, then it was just like, Oh yeah. Okay. It's a new one. No, this was this, whoever put this in was like, I'm going to put a candle in. That's like three times the height of yours. I don't know if there's any sort of like r- religious significance concerning the candle height, but I just kind of felt like it was some sort of, it felt like some sort of big dog move. Um, it's like, well, let's, <laughs> let, let me, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm going to show off how much more grieving I am by putting this can. So it's, it's like a, it's like a grief, grief, big dog. Yeah. That's what you're saying. A total grief, big okay. dog. Uh, I just had to say that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the long and short of this is basically there's no anything. There's nothing. No. There's no update. There's no suspects. And if anyone knows anything, they're not saying anything. 
Yeah, like like. Well, they're certainly not saying it to uh, Irish super cop Don Daly. No. So. No, because I yeah because of the sort of cultural inhibition of you know making uh, making an accusation when you don't actually have any proof or or anything. Uh, th- there was mm-hmm. there was like a guy who was out jogging and he thought he may have saw one of these students on a, like a bench mm-hmm. uh, looking out at the ocean the morning mm-hmm. of or whatever. But that obviously didn't account m- lead to anything. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I mean, this is a it's a real it's a real unsolved mystery. They gave they gave a bunch of people at the school, including some administrators, um, polygraphs, uh, polygraphs, but that nothing really. It seemed like everyone was telling the truth about where they were. So yes. There's no there's no nothing. There's nothing. It's uh, it's unfortunate. Um, it's kind of, I, I hate I hate ending any of these episodes of unsolved mysteries on kind of a downer segment where you don't get a resolution. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, Robbie, since you already did all the social media stuff earlier, I guess you kind of just we got to end it there. You got to do the thing. Yeah. Join me next week. Perhaps even you may solve a mystery.